Goods kept their watching or silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds fear and tremble when long above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. trumpets at one time. That's pretty good. Um, very good. Thank you for putting that together. And um, it's neat to see the creative ways we come up with having to uh, do things differently now. And so I appreciate the work the choir did on that as well this morning. I knew you'd enjoy it. Um, got a few announcements for you. And then I'm going to have Brother Ben come up and make another announcement and lead us in prayer. Um, the board ballots or the ballots for our board of deacons and board of trustees is at the doors as you come in. If you didn't get one of those already, uh, there should be a list on there for you to pr prayerfully consider the men that will be running for that office this year, those offices. And so take those with you. And then next Sunday night at 6 p.m., we'll meet here in the auditorium and we'll have our business meeting. And um, we'll be live streaming that meeting as well. We'll put that on online so you can, if you wanted to tune in, you can. Um, I would, we won't leave it up, though. We'll live stream it and then we'll pull it down. And so you won't be able to go back later and watch it. Not that anybody would do that to a business meeting, but it, it will be gone after the service is over. Uh, but the... Um, the business meeting will be on at 6 p.m. We'll meet here in the auditorium. Three things we're going to be covering, as we mentioned already. We'll be voting in the officers, trustees, and deacons uh, for a one-year term. We'll be approving the 2021 budget, and that should, that's also at the information desk if you need one of those. And then be updating our statement of faith, and that's at the information desk as well. If you have any questions, any of that, feel free to reach out this week at the church or bring them next Sunday night, and we'll go over these things then. So looking forward to that. Oh, next Sunday. Christmas, kids Christmas musical this coming next Sunday, and you want to be here at 9 and 11, the kids will be singing for us, all right, and they've been working hard on that as well, I know you'll enjoy hearing them, all right, Brother Ben.
sorry, we'll, we'll start that again. <laughs> All right. Um, at this time, on behalf of Deacons, we'd like to extend this opportunity to be able to uh, show our love to our Minister of Staff, Pastor Mike, Pastor Caleb, Brother Randy, for all the work, all the love, all the care, all the prayers, all the time and investment that they've had in our lives. Um, just one small way that we have to be able to do that is to provide a gift for them uh, during this season. Okay? Uh, we have these envelopes at the, both the doors, the Welcome Center, uh, and even some of the pews in front. So I encourage you, it's, you know, this invitation to, to use us in, in doing this, uh, if God so leads your heart. And also online, if you were to do that, there's a place on the comments, the notes section, to be able to just mention that uh, as you provide these gifts, okay? And also a quick reminder about our loose change offering time, too, uh, as we do every week. Those, again, are to help provide a, a small gift to our missionaries throughout the world um, as they do their work to spread the gospel, okay? So both these opportunities, I uh, just want to make mention of it, you know, every week up to uh, uh, Christmas time, we'll be supporting these, okay? At this time, why don't we uh, stand, we'll get ready for prayer, and um, we'll open up prayer, and then we'll uh, get to worshiping with uh, uh, the choir, okay? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord, for watching over us, for guiding us every day of our lives, and we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can gather here. Father, we thank you for your grace abundantly upon our lives, and Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be part of your family through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you for the season to be able to celebrate, not only in the Christian community, but throughout the communities. And Lord, we just ask that you give us boldness, give us strength as we go and proclaim your word outside these walls. Father, we thank you for the word that Pastor will be preparing today, and let his words be a reflection of the truths of the great book of you. And Father, we just ask that you be with the, with the musicians today at this time as they lead us in worshiping and, and bring a song up to you, Lord, and that you would find it pleasing uh, to your ears. Thank you, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
said by the prophet Isaiah regarding the Messiah. There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
ago uh, we started doing this is a missions moment and we want to bring these to you on a regular basis where we're highlighting one of our missionaries uh, that we currently support that are doing work in different places and this is brother Nathan Holt uh, I'm sorry Jason Holt Nathan's his brother uh, Jason Holt our missionary to Chile and uh, Jason's been down there since 2005 and the work they've been doing down there is incredible and uh, we've been partnering with them for a little over a year now and uh, looking forward to seeing what God would have us do in reaching out to missions. As we think about our missionaries and the work that they do, it's my heart to be able to take some of our people in the years to come and go and visit these missionaries on a regular basis, to go and see their work and be there on the grounds and partner with them in the work they're doing uh, on regular missions trips. And that's a goal that we have. And, of course, we want to invest in them. I want you to know who they are. I want you to know how to pray for them. Uh, and so we're going to get a little update of what's going on their mission. And he's going to give you some insight on how you can be a part of what's going on there and uh, support that work. So let's listen to this. We know that you want to be more involved in missions. You have a passion like we do to see the world reach with the gospel in our generation. But sometimes it's hard to know how to be involved. Sometimes missions seems very distant in those that are serving, 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 You be more involved in what God is doing here in Latin America. Back in 2005, God allowed our family to see the first church of our ministry planted here in Santiago, Chile. Since then, God's brought together a team of missionaries that are working together to train local men and women for the ministry. Through the Chile Training Center now, 12 men have been trained that are leading young churches here in Chile. What an exciting thing. If you walk out of the front doors of any of the churches that have been planted, within about a there's 50,000 people that live there. This is a very densely populated city. That means because of your prayers and your investment, now, over 600,000 people have access to a Bible-preaching church. Praise the Lord. But imagine toward the future. 
Currently, there's about 60 young men and young women that are preparing for ministry at the Chile Training Center. Imagine the churches that will be planted over the next few years and how millions of people, God willing, will have access to a Bible preaching church that's within walking distance of their home. That's what we're praying and asking God to do here in Chile. He's brought together a team. He's raising up local men and women who are giving their lives to serve Him. And you know what? We need you to be a part of the Chile team. We need you to pray. We need you to get in the trenches with us and fight along our side this battle to reach the world with the gospel in our generation. We're going to send you an email every Friday morning with our top five prayer requests about things that are going on in the ministry, some of the struggles and some of the needs. We're going to ask you to stand along our side and to pray. We need prayer. Like Solomon mentioned back in in the Old Testament, that he needed wisdom. We need wisdom. We need you to pray with us. We also need you to consider giving. All these church plants, uh, they, they require funds. Our goals are within just a few years, each church can stand on its own and will not need funds uh, from the missionary or from others to continue forward. It will be self-sustained. But it takes a few years to reach those goals. And in the meantime, we can help out financially. And we would like to ask you to consider giving any amount to help help these churches be planted. And 100% of every offering given will be going directly to these local churches. Here in Chile, we will be your boots on the ground. We'll be your eyes, your hands, your feet, helping serve alongside these Chilean pastors. You'll be there, part of the team, praying, investing, reading the emails. We'll also send a monthly video update so that you can see with your own eyes what God is doing and even see some of the answers to the prayer requests that we've been praying together about during the month. Will you consider being a part of the Chile team? Will you consider praying and giving and standing along our side and let's work together to reach this country and the world with the gospel? broke up just a little bit there, but I don't know if you caught it, 50,000 people per square mile inside the city, uh, 50,000 people. Can you imagine? And so every square mile, you could plant a church and you'd have 50,000 people to reach. Um, and that's a mind-boggling numbers um, of what's going on there in Chile. And God's allowed them to plant those seven churches and now looking to plant more. Um, if you're interested in giving directly to them, uh, you can do so through our missions program here at the church. You can just put anything you give to them and put uh, Jason Holt or Chili on that. We'll know it's going to them and we'll get it to uh, them directly. Uh, we're excited about being able to partner with them. I've talked to him already about the possibility of coming down there and being a part of a missions trip to the work to see these churches that have been planted and to actually be there and, and see what's going on with our own eyes. And so that's a goal that we have in the near future and uh, looking forward to that as well. So uh, it's exciting to see what God's doing, exciting to see how God is working in us. Uh, just a little window into what's happening next year. Uh, he's going to be coming uh, to speak 
I say coming. Let me, let me reword that. That's a whole new meaning these days. He's going to be virtually speaking to the church next spring. And so we'll be, he'll be in Chile, and we're going to get him live streamed in here, and he'll be talking to us about the work and uh, be able to chat with him through that. And so I'm looking forward to that uh, in the month of missions next, next spring. And so that's an exciting time ahead of us as well. Well, Brother John's going to sing for us, and then after that, I'm going to come back and we'll preach. All right? We live a lot of our lives in these times in between those mountaintops and those valleys, right? We talk a lot about valleys and mountaintops. And, and when we're on the mountaintop, we always say, thank you, God, you're awesome, right? And we're in the valleys, we say, God, help me, right, through this, get through this, right? Uh, but those times in between those is where we live most of our lives. I mean, that's where we spend our days, right? Busy with work and school and everything else. I've seen some glorious days Where I flew so much higher Much higher than I ever thought I would And soaring through the air I would declare Well, isn't God good? Isn't he good? And he was, and he is, and he always will be. But in the in-between, it's hard for me to see. In the in-between, where every day life happens, and the fields of green belong to some Between of what will be and what has been, Jesus is a faithful friend. In the in between, I've been unsure of myself, but even in the dark. I'm pretty sure that all is well, and then I see there in the mirror looking back at me, a work that is not everything that it will be, and he was, and he is, and he always will be close beside to me in the in between where every day life happens and the fields of green belong to someone else in the in between of what will be and what has been Jesus is a faithful friend in the in-between grace and mercy no no season there's no good reason why that the best of days may not be the days ahead and in the in-between when you have some time to dream your faith and strength 
will be restored by the gracious Lord of the in between. Where a day life happens and the fields of green belong to someone else in the in between of what will be and what has been. Jesus is a faithful friend in the in between. Jesus, he's still a faithful friend in the in between thanks john i appreciate you singing this morning thank you for the music today take your bibles let's go to the book of colossians if we could colossians chapter number two <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> we begin the Christmas season and we've wrapped up our study on the church. And I just want to talk to you about your our personal walk this morning a little bit and talk to us about that. And that's you know, the goal of what we're driving at today in light of the, the holiday season that we find ourselves in. I, I love I love the book of Colossians. It's very encouraging. Uh, to read and to study, and I think you'll you'll find it encouraging this morning as we read a section together. Um, next week, uh, Pastor Caleb will be uh, speaking in both services. My wife and I are not going anywhere. We'll be here, uh, but he's going to be preaching for us next week, and uh, so you'll want to be here for that. I know you'll be encouraged um, through his ministry uh, on next Sunday as well, and so be speaking for that. And then we're coming up on Christmas, and I, I can't believe we're even saying that out loud, but here we are. We're on Christmas, right? Uh, the thing that's been kind of capturing my mind this week as I've walked through is the the brevity of time and how time goes by quickly and how that we do not know how much time we have. Um, I was listening to a sermon uh, by Alistair Begg this week in uh, the podcast. He, he talked about the baker and the cupbearer, and you remember the story of Joseph and the baker and the cupbearer, and how uh, the baker was told that in three days, you're going to die. And uh, he pointed out, he said, in reality, he had a great gift. He knew he had three days. You and I do not know we have three days to prepare. And I was thought, wow, now that's an interesting thought. He knew he had three days to prepare. And, and then I was reminded of Richard Baxter, and he was a Puritan from uh, a lot of years ago. And he made the quote, and he said, let us preach as if it were our last time. Let us be dying men preaching to dying men. And I thought, what a, what a plea to just seize the moment that God has given us to labor. You know, I don't know uh, if you're aware of this this morning, but I hope you are. This could be the last Christmas you have opportunity to witness to your family. Don't pass it up. Um, this could be our last opportunity to do that. And let us grab this moment with passion and intentionality and this morning that rests in my heart and I hope that this will be an encouragement to you as we open the word of God together. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 1, we'll read down through verse number 10. Um, I'd like for you to stand with me as you honor the word of God this morning. Colossians 2, 1 through 10. 
For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we ask you to take the reading of your word, apply it to our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit of God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a willingness to obey what we hear and see this morning. Lord, guide my thoughts, or may your word uh, be on our lips this morning and on our hearts this morning as we preach this, that Lord, it would not be man's idea, but it would be God's word going forward. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. Oftentimes when you're preparing a message, and especially when you're kind of in between a season um, of where to go and what uh, next course of action is, you're kind of scrambling around to know what to, to preach next. And this morning in between the two services, I preached the same service twice, and so oftentimes I'll say something extemporaneously in the first service that I didn't have in my notes. And so in between the two, I'm like, oh, I better write that down so I remember to say it again because that was better than what I wrote down when I was thinking about it. And uh, so, um, but I, I was sitting on the front row this morning, and I, I had my notes out, and I was writing it down, and Ben sat next to me, and he goes, it's kind of late to be cramming for the sermon, don't you think, Pastor? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, you got to get it prepared when you can get it prepared, I guess. So, um, but here we are this morning at the beginning of the Christmas season, and I think I could argue with you this morning that my least favorite thing about Christmas is Christmas decorations, not the looking at them. I think they're beautiful. It's putting them up that I hate. That's what I hate about it. Any, any other man out there want to testify with that? Okay. All right. I thought there might be a common thing. All right. Um, yeah, and my, my wife can testify of my disdain for getting them up, especially the outside Christmas lights. Um, and my wife is really good about the inside. She doesn't ask me to help much with that. She just takes care of it. I think she knows I'll mess it up. So she just takes care of it. Uh, but then we, we hang the ornaments on the tree when it's time to do that. We do that as a family. And, and, but then the outside lights. Whoever came up with the idea of waiting until it gets really cold to get a metal ladder out and climb up on a roof and hang lights, uh, that's a bad idea. But, um, but so the, we've done this several years. In the last two years, we haven't. And then this year, we put lights on the house again. And, uh, and they look really nice. Uh, my, my wife has a, a great vision for what it will look like. And generally, it comes in at about... 65% of what her vision is. Um, you know, generally she wants this and I deliver that. Um, and, uh, but it, it is what it is. And, um, and so I put the lights up and we get them on the house. And, and uh, how many have ever struggled with a string of lights that won't light up? 
that's enough to make you lose your salvation by itself, right? It's just, you know, I just, oh my word, why won't this thing light up? You know, you can really get indignant with a string of lights. And I remember several years ago, we, we, we had a string of lights out. And, you know, it's funny because now they're, they're really inexpensive. You know, they're not extremely expensive anymore. Um, and, but, you know, before, I don't know why we would spend hours of time trying to get these things to light up. Just go buy new lights, you know. Put it behind you and go buy new ones. But I, I'm sitting here trying to get this thing to light up. And this has been a few years back. But, you know, I'm taking each bulb out and putting it in, you know, and, and seeing, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And you're going through this whole string of, you know, 7,000 lights and trying to get it to light up. And, and I'm fighting with it. And, you know, and you're willing to risk life and limb to get these things lit up. So I just plug it in the wall and start working with it. You know, I don't care. Just take them out. If it shocks me, it shocks me. I want this thing to light up. Well, at one point in the process, I was working with them and had not plugged it into the wall. But I thought they were plugged into the wall, you know. And so I'm going light after light and nothing's lighting up. And I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? And, you know, and Susie's like, don't you need to plug it in? And um, it helps when you plug it in. Um, you know, and I, I think there's a, often a, a disconnect that happens in our walk with God, too. Um, there is a, a lack of connection to the truths of God's word that causes us to find great frustration. Many struggle, and it's been my experience as a pastor uh, for many years now, that many struggle with understanding their acceptance with God. Many Christians carry great baggage and guilt over past sin, frustration with current performance, and a feeling like I just don't measure up. When am I ever gonna get this down and get this right? In between first and second service, a gentleman walked up and he asked me, he said, can we ever learn to love as Christ loved? And uh, I thought, well, that's an interesting question. Can we ever learn to love as Christ loved? And I would say, yes, we can, but it's not something we achieve. It's not as if you're on a journey and finally you get to a place where you love as Christ loved. Here's the thing. If you are abiding in Christ, you are loving as Christ loved. If you're not abiding in Christ, you're not. It's not an achievement. It is who Christ is that we rest in. And we rest in him. And I, I think we miss that connection. You know, the connecting the truth of the gospel with how we live on a daily life is a real battle. I mean, just, just like us over here, and if you picture, if you would, a strand of lights laying across the stage here. And I'm trying to get them to light up. And I think this describes what we're trying to do with our Christian life, you know, well, pastor, I really, really want to behave right toward my friends and want to have good relationships, but I just can't get this one to light up. And pastor, I really want to have uh, the right response to my kids, but I can't get that to light up. And I want my marriage to be right, but I can't get it to light up. And we, we look at all of these things that we call Christian behavior or Christian disciplines, and we're, we're trying to see them line up and light up. We want to see Christ working in them, and what we fail to do is, like I did with the Christmas light, we fail to plug them in. Because it's not going to light up because you have every bulb in place or you have all of this happening in this order that you think it should be, unless it's plugged in to the source of what produces the light in the first place. They've got to be plugged into who we are in Christ and who Christ is. And we fail to plug it in and we find ourselves frustrated over here. I just don't ever feel like I measure up. And I would think Colossians tells us that we don't measure up, but Christ does. And he is our hope of making any of this work. 
And so we, we walk in this fallen world, and I think the fallen world we live in, uh, the flesh that we find ourselves in, causes us to short-circuit the work of the gospel in our life. Not that anything in this world can actually separate us from Christ, but cause us to take our eyes off the truth or take our mind off the truth and cause us to depend upon something else to produce the desired results within us. You know, Pastor, I really, really want to be a loving person. And so we as Christians are over here, you know, we read books about loving better and we, we, we read devotionals about loving better and we try hard to love better, but we've never plugged ourselves in to the God who is love. In all of the human efforts and struggles, we, we, we're disconnected and short-circuiting that. We know the gospel, but it doesn't seem to make a difference in our marriage. We know the gospel, but our child-rearing is still suffering. We know the gospel, but our relationships are full of backbiting and envy and, and jealousy and, and, and nitpicky. And, well, did you see how she behaved? Did you see what he said? I can't believe he drove that here. I can't believe he said that. And it's just this, this little bitty constant struggle within these things. And we know the gospel, but it doesn't affect our pocketbook. It, we know the gospel, but our schedule is unaffected by it. Our anxieties still rise up within us. Fears grip our soul, and yet we know the gospel. Yesterday morning in Bible study, uh, the men's Bible study, uh, Brother Ron taught, and we had a discussion. And one of the gentlemen brought up the, the thought. He said, isn't it interesting that we can trust God for our eternity and we believe that he's going to keep us for all eternity, but we can't trust him for the 70 or 80 years that we're on this earth. And this is where we struggle with anxiety and struggle with fear while we're here, and yet we're trusting him for our eternity. And we, we have this, this disconnect, and we wander from it. We have fears and doubts and pain and work, and our tongue runs wild, and our dreams and, and, and all the aspirations of this life, we've allowed them to be short-circuited from the gospel. And we begin to run around and try to figure out what can fill the gap and why the lights don't light up. And we can imagine, I mean, if you get to the place where you're fighting with a string of lights, you'll imagine that it's really just magic, that there's no real way to make it work, right? And I think a lot of times we think that's the case in Christianity. It's just some kind of magical thing that it's just going to poof happen. And for some people they have the magic and other people they don't. That's not the reality of what Christianity is. It's about a relationship that is connected. And you know, why do we wonder? Why do we struggle? I, I think the Bible tells us the world, the flesh, and the devil are constant enemies of our connecting our daily life with the gospel. This world is constantly opposing us. We know that our hearts are desperately wicked. The enemy is pleasantly deceitful. You know, it's interesting. The devil never sells us something we don't want. He always sells us something we want. We desire, he is pleasantly deceitful, and unfortunately to our fleshed, time-bound bodies, this world is far too much like home, and we hold on to this world tightly. But the, the God of the Bible, the God of Colossians, as he's writing to us, he would have us to seek the things that are above, not the things of this earth. He would have us to look to a different realm to find our satisfaction. The church at Colossians is struggling, and Paul is very aware of the possibility of this reality of short-circuiting the gospel in our lives, and he's challenging us on four occasions in chapter number two to warn us to not let this break happen, not let this gospel disconnectedness take place. 
I want you to see a few of these, if you would, in verse number four of chapter two. He says this, and he said, this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. He said, don't let someone come along and beguile you. The word beguile uh, is the idea to delude you or to trick you. It's the idea to deceive or to pull a fast one over on you. Don't let them come in with, with wise sounding words, literally the idea of wearing the mask of wisdom. And men come in with spiritual sounding talk and they delude us from the gospel. Let me make it very clear this morning. Just because somebody sounds spiritual and it sounds good doesn't mean it is godly or Christ-centered. And much of this world is okay with spiritual sounding terminology. We're okay with angels and we're okay with, with, with even a God and we're okay with Santa Claus and we're okay with believing Believing is fine. Nobody has a problem believing. The question is, do we believe that Jesus Christ is all in all? The problem this world has is not even that you believe in Jesus. It's just that we believe that Jesus is the only source. This is where the rubber meets the road right here. This is where you'll you'll be drawn off. And by the way, Jesus Christ is the only source. And the most hopeful thing we can tell the world is to point them to Jesus and Jesus alone. And so here we are, we're over here struggling to connect this. And he said, don't let anyone trick you. Don't let anyone delude you or take you away to think that there's some other means by which you become it. And what we see is the Jewish people were in this community and we had some philosophical uh, Greek people in this community and they were taking their ideas and they were blending them together and saying, this all blended together makes up what we're supposed to be doing. And if you really love God, then you're gonna keep this feast and if you really love the Lord, you're gonna, you're gonna eat this certain kind of food and then you're really gonna discipline yourself to meditate and to think on things and then you'll rise to this place of spiritual standing and they had all of these ideas and Paul is saying don't let them delude you into thinking that there's any other thing but Christ don't let them take you away look what he says in verse number four he said they're trying to get you with enticing words he said for though I be absent in the flesh yet I am with you in spirit joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ pointing them back to that. Look at verse number eight, another warning. He said, beware lest anyone spoil you. Now the word spoil here in in our King James is not the same word that we would have for spoiled milk. It's not the same idea. The idea is the spoils of war, of literally going in and taking captive. And I I like the word that the ESV uses here. He said, don't let anyone take you captive. Don't let anyone put chains upon you and lead you away from from the field. And he says they are breaking in and pillaging the wealth that you've been given and they're leading you away into a false teaching. He talks about the rudiments or the elementary natures of this world. It's earthly teaching bound in earthly time by earthly men. You know, the problem with this world's wisdom is not that they don't have good intentions, they just don't have good information. They have really good intentions. They want to make things better. And you can go to the store today and you can pick up all kinds of books to tell you to have a better marriage and a better, uh, a better child ring and a better job situation. And it's not that they're all devoid of all wisdom. There are some wisdom in them. You ought to keep your word. You ought to be dependable. Those are wonderful things that are just practical dependence. But all of these things is men's wisdom looking for men's solution. You see, the problem is not that I don't have good information. The problem is I have a wicked heart. 
I need to be plugged into something bigger than me. And Paul is saying, look, don't see Christianity as a set of rules that you follow or a set of principles that you follow or a spiritual pursuit that you make that somehow or another, if you go to a tall enough mountain and you get quiet long enough, that God will meet with you. I'm wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to be still and know that he is God. It is wonderful to be in a devotional state before God, but understanding that he is God whether I feel it or not. He's always been and always will be God. And he says, don't let anyone take you captive in this. Look in verse number 16. He said, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or of a Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ or the substance is of Christ. He said, don't let these things be the, so pastor, my string of daily lights won't light up. And so what I need is I need to keep that feast and I haven't been doing enough and I need to do more here and do more there. And then it'll finally light up because I'm, I'm believing strong enough. This is not Tinkerbell theology. You're not going to believe long enough or clap loud enough to make anything happen. It's got to be connected to its source. And he said, don't let them come in and take you captive, and then don't let them pass judgment upon you. See, the genuineness of your faith is not based on keeping Jewish holy days or rituals or rites. The genuineness of our faith is not based upon, well, if you're a really good Christian, you will. You see, the issue is not necessarily that what is being said is, is untrue. If you're a good Christian, you will fill in the blank. You'll read your Bible. Uh, if you're a really good Christian, you'll be a part and an active part in a local assembly. If you're a good Christian, we could put all of these things in. These are not bad things. The problem is, is what we see is we don't see those things as what a Christian does, but we see them as means to becoming a Christian. That if I'm really a good Christian, then I'm going to think this way and I'm going to behave this way. And so if I think this way and behave this way long enough, it'll lighten up the string. But that's not it at all. You see, I don't do those things in order to be connected to Christ. But because I'm connected to Christ, the string lights up. Because I'm plugged into who he is, that's when it works out. That's when I wake up in the morning, not with, oh, it's Sunday again. i got to have to go to church. But, oh, I get to be around the people of God again today. I get to go and see the people who love the Lord. I get to open God's word again. And there's a light and a joy and a desire that is produced, not because of who I am, but because of who I'm connected with. And so he's saying, plug it in back here and let that be the thing that flows through you. Don't let them pass judgment. I love this wording, too. Don't let them disqualify you. Verse number 18, he said, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility the worshiping of angels and intruding into the things which you have not seen, vainly puffed up by the fleshly mind, not holding the head which all the body by joints and bands having nourished, ministered, and knit together increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? But he said, don't let them come in and disqualify you by pulling you away. The word here is to snatch away your reward. It's the same word beguile to use again, but we have a different word here. The idea, and I think the ESV uses the word disqualified. Don't let them count you out or steal your reward or your joy here. And I think what happens often is God has given us great riches in Christ. He's poured out abundance in him, and we're over here scratching out a meager living. 
And we're trying our best to see how the joy could be in our life and there could be peace in the midst of storm and how there can be tears and yet hope. And, and, and I don't understand how this works and there's just, I'm just so frustrated that this won't light up. And so what do we do? We let someone take us captive and they're, they're taking away all the benefits that Christ has, all the joy that Christ has for us because we're not connected back. You see, he snatched away the reward. The illustration I want to give you is there's a lady, and she was, had one son, and her son was stationed overseas away from her. And we're talking in a time where travel and communication would be rather limited and costly. She lived alone for many, many years on a meager living, and she took in a little work, a little washing, a little sewing to get by on. She was unable to read. And so on occasion, her son would send her a card, and, but that's it. And yet she couldn't read, and she had the pastor come by, and he was checking on her condition. She had gotten sick and was in great need. And, and he said, do you have any family we could contact for you? And he, she said, well, I have a son. And he said, well, maybe we could, we could contact him, and he, he could send you something. Does he ever write you? And she said, well, pastor, I, I can't read, but he does send me a card every month. And he said, he said, well, where are those cards? And he goes, well, I have them pinned up on the wall in my, in my bedroom. And I see them, and it makes me think of him. And he, he said, well, can I see them? And he said, sure. And for the last several years, every month, he had sent her a money order, and she had pinned it to the wall of her bedroom, not understanding what it was. And she had a great amount of wealth that was stored up in that room, but she didn't have the understanding to take advantage of it. And I feel like so many Christians, we live our life fighting with this string of lights, wondering why it doesn't light. And there's a whole wealth of information. There's a whole wealth of joy. There's a whole wealth of love that we've got to plug that into. We've got to connect ourselves to who Christ is, that it would flow through us. And we're sitting here and we're just struggling. Oh, Pastor, I really wish I could just love better. And I feel so bad about not loving better. And I feel so bad about struggling with this addiction and I feel so bad about it and Satan has you in that cycle where he has you captive he has held of you and he won't let you go and you're believing the lies that if you could just be a little more spiritual everything would work out well and what we think is somehow or another we're looking to spiritual people who talk of angels and their ability and their wisdom and men comes down with his wisdom and saying well let me tell you how we handle our marriage and we run to their seminars and we buy their books even under the name of Christianese. And we say, well, bam, that person must have a perfect marriage. You've only seen them on social media. You don't know what their marriage is like. People are people and they're sinners. But we get this idea that someone comes along and they say, well, I can tell you exactly how to lead a marriage. Because in our years of great wisdom and experience, we've learned how to have a good marriage. And we've, we've risen to this level of just almost perfection, we would never admit that we're perfect. And we have this highfalutin nonsense. Here's the reality. Let me tell you how the marriage works. It's one sinner married to another sinner who desperately needs to be plugged in to the life-giving source of Jesus Christ. And without that, there is nothing good in me. It withers up and it dies on the vine the moment it's unplugged. The moment the, the connection is lost, there's no power in Mike Montgomery to be anything but a sinner who deserves hell. But in Christ, there's an abundance of wealth. People come and they look almost down their noses and let me tell you how to lead your children. Let me tell you, here's the thing. 
Children, here's what you need to know about your pastor this morning. Young people, here's what you know. I'm a sinner who deserves hell, but Jesus Christ saved me and gave me hope. The only thing good in Mike Montgomery is Jesus Christ. The only thing good in you is Jesus Christ. He said, well, pastor, what do I do when I fail? You do the same thing I do when I fail. You run to Jesus. And friend, you and I ought to be pointing people back down the line. A good example, yes, we need them to walk alongside of us. But the best examples are not people to tell us how they're doing it, but they tell us what Christ has done. And they point us back to the source of anything good in them is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Paul had warned them, don't let them delude you, don't let them take you captive, don't let them pass judgment, don't let them disqualify you. You see, we are complete in him. If we would avoid these pitfalls, we must see clearly what we have been made and given and connect the reality to daily living. Let's just look and see what he's given us very quickly here. Verse number seven of our text, um, he says this, he said, we are rooted and built up. So rooted and built up, that's a picture of strength. The picture of being rooted, the build, the, uh, to be edified, to be built up around, the idea of something that is strong and stable. You say, well, Pastor, that doesn't describe my walk. That doesn't describe where I'm at, rooted and built up. But he says in the text that we are rooted and built up. He says in verse number 10, we are complete. He says, uh, for in him, uh, verse number 10, he says, and ye are complete. Uh, verse number 11, and he uses some uh, uh, terminology that would be very familiar to Jewish people, but he says we are set, asp- set apart, and he uses the illustration of circumcision to show that we're set apart. The literally here is special, well, and, and we look at this, he says we're hopeful because we have resurrection from the dead, we're guilt-free because we've been forgiven, but if I could for a moment, nobody in this world has a problem with saying to somebody, you're strong. Nobody has a problem with that. As a matter of fact, we preach that all the time. You've got to believe in yourself. You're a strong individual. You just don't know your potential. You're strong. You're complete, just like you are. You, you, you are special. Oh, man, if we tell anybody anything, we tell them they're special. They're special. You're just special. And we, we preach all of these things. You're, you're special. You're hopeful. You shouldn't live in guilt over what you've done. You shouldn't let people judge you. And we preach all of these things, but all of these things become a false teaching if we remove them from what comes with them. Because if we remove these truths of how special you are and how set apart you are and how complete you are and we don't finish the verse, then we lose the whole point and source of it because you this morning are rooted and built up in him. You are complete in him. You are set apart in him. You are raised from the dead in him. You are forgiven in him. But apart from him, you're none of that. In him I've been set apart. In him I've been made complete. And every time we read this, if we're not careful, we, are, we, we will say, well, this is who I am. And I can claim all these things. But it's like having another string of lights that you've plugged into without plugging it into the source. And Christ is the source that makes it true that I'm complete in him. This morning, we're not going to fix this by focusing on this. We're not going to have these lights light up because we're thinking about all of these things. But when we take our focus and we set it on the person and work of Jesus Christ, 
and we see who he is, I believe that is the principle of abiding in Christ. It's living in his presence, living in the knowledge of who he is. Without him, we can do nothing. Look, if you would, very quickly in verse number, chapter 1, verse 15. I'm just going to run through these fast. You stay with me fast and you'll keep up. Here we go. He is the visible of the invisible. What does he say in verse number 15? Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He is the visible of the invisible. Jesus Christ, the source of our strength and our power and all that was good about us. Jesus Christ is the image of Almighty God on display. Jesus said to the apostles, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, Jesus Christ, is everything that the Father revealed himself to be in the Son, Jesus, and he's on display. He is God in flesh, all God, all man, on display, and we, you and I can see him in the pages of scripture he is the invisible of the invisible he's the firstborn this firstborn is is not talking about order of birth but preeminence he's the preeminent there is no other leader or guru or teacher that is above christ and see these men in the book of Colossae, they were struggling with teachers that would come in that would set themselves above christ i think of the men who've invested in my life brother farrell dowdy he was my pastor from the time I was 14 to the time I graduated high school. And uh, I remember sitting under him week after week, preaching to about 75 people on a Sunday morning, week after week, opening the word of God down at Crestwood Baptist Church, thanking God for Brother Dowdy. And last night as I sat on my couch, I thought about him, and I picked up the phone and called him. He's in his 80s now. And I said, Brother Dowdy, I just want to thank you for all the time you spent studying and preparing the word of God. For a, couple of, for a handful of teenage boys who would sit in that auditorium and sometimes fall asleep, sometimes not pay attention, most of the time be more interested in girls than they were the preaching. But we sat there week after week and he preached the word of God faithfully to us. Thank you, Brother Mike Bagwell. Brother Mike Bagwell has been an influence in my life, all of my life. He was my pastor when I was born. I'm named after him. And just by providence last night, I found out he's speaking in Michigan this week. I'm going to go hear him. And uh, Brother Mike Bagwell, faithful preacher of the word of God in his 70s now. And the day's going to come where both those men step off into eternity, but Jesus Christ never fails. I'm thankful for men who pointed me to him, but ultimately it is him that gives me the sword. It is him that we rest ourselves in. I love verse number 16, what it tells us about him. Not only is he the preeminent one, verse number 16 tells us he's the source. He said, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things consist. He, these, these people, they were, they were worshiping angels, they were worshiping unknown powers and magical sources, and they were deluding the people of God. And he said, let me just stop you for a second. This is a mic drop moment, if you could. He said, let me make something really clear here, that Christ is all in all. Everything was made by him and for him. And he says, all things were made by him. And he said, all things were created. And he said, in case you didn't know what I mean by all things, he says all things that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, thrones, principalities, powers, anything that was made, Christ made it. And here's the thing, he made it by him and for him. 
And he's laying this out from us. And so we see Christ is all in all. He's the creator of all. He's before all things. By him all things hold together. He is the one that is set apart. It is him that was crucified and risen and is alive evermore. And we see these laid out in the person and work of Christ. And so this morning, who we are is wrapped up in the person of who Christ is and the work that Christ has done. And Christ has produced all this in us and through us. We must keep our eyes on who Christ is. When I am in Christ, when I am in Christ, it is always evident. And when I am not, it is evident. Christ is the one that is in me that produces all of the things that I'm struggling to produce. Look at verse number 9 of chapter 2. He said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not dwelt, but dwelleth. Not filled, but with the whole essence of who God is. Not a transient stay in the flesh or for a few hours, but eternal abiding of God in flesh. God in flesh ever liveth to intercede for us on our behalf. He is going to be the eternal high priest that intercedes for us into eternity. This is the God we serve. This is Christ. It is not like God, but in the fullest sense, Jesus Christ was truly God and truly man. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily, not just filled with the Holy Spirit, though he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just gifted with divine gifts, though he was gifted with divine gifts. Not just possessing all knowledge and all wisdom and all power, though he possessed all knowledge, all wisdom and all power. Not possessing or obeying the will of God or having the mind of God, though he obeyed the will of God and he had the mind of God. Not some diluted, watered down form of who God is, but all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. Jesus Christ when he stepped out of eternity and he stepped into the body of that little baby in a manger, it was the fullness of God on earth with us. This is the source of our strength. This is the source of what we do. And friend, this morning, you can't look at your life and say, why does it work and keep staring at it? No, run back over here to where the fullness of the Godhead bodily exists and understand he is the source to produce it all. Is it any wonder he could say while he was on earth, no man taketh my life, I lay it down. Is it any wonder he could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh to the Father but by me. And by the way, here's the thing. Your access to the Father for salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And your access to the Father today is only through Jesus Christ. You didn't get a lifetime membership, friend, that now you can come because your name's on the roll. You have a lifetime membership because his name is on the roll. He is the access and ever will be our access into his presence because we are in him and Christ is in us. He said, I that speak unto thee am he. He said, peace, be still. He said, Lazarus, come forth. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He looked at Satan and he said, thou Shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't tell me he didn't claim deity. He clearly did. Jesus stood and he says, I will be thou clean. And they were clean. 
I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Believest thou this? He said, it is I. Be not afraid. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Then you know what he says? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow him, and he makes us. So this morning, ye, you, you, this is our world over here. This is where I live. You, this is my daily life. You are complete. Yes, I'm complete. That's a truth, but only in him. In him, I am complete to live out Christ. In him, everything, every standing that Christ has is mine because of what Christ has done. And so I rest in him this morning. Not if we continue in tradition, not if we continue in washings and rules and feasting and fasting. No, that is not the, the, the if that hangs over this text. It's not if you try harder or if you labor more. No, it's if you continue in faith. And the only way this morning we are going to continue in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is if we turn our eyes upon him daily, putting our confidence there. So we struggle. This is our daily world. We look at the scripture and he says, well, it says I'm complete. It says this ought to work. I don't understand why it works. Did we throw the instructions away? Does anybody know where those are? It says it's supposed to work. Oh, in him. I got to plug it in here too. And when it's in him, I am complete to live it out. And it's only in that order does it work. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the sufficiency of it. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do a work in me. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would expose in us where we are depending upon the traditions of man, our own traditions, our own shortcomings are so evident to us. We need Jesus this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Let's stand together, if you would, at this time.
said? Amen. Amen. It's good to be together this morning, and I trust uh, your week will be one that would honor the Lord. Look forward to seeing you back on Wednesday night together for our Wanda's program and for our Bible study here. And God bless you folks. We'll see you on Wednesday night, all right? Love you.